Hi there, this is Michael Govier from the First Day Pod. A little pre-recorded announcement prior to the start of the regular show. We initially intended on doing an episode about addiction, but we were going to talk about Leanne's addiction with food. My Also, my own personal food addiction struggles as well. But the show kind of took on a mind of its own, if you will. The narrative just started to develop where we were talking about my three years free from opioid dependence. And I just started to talk more and more about my entire addiction experience. And Leanne was happy to let me talk. And people on the live stream were listening and engaging and asking questions and making comments. Uh, thank you to Sierra and Matt and uh, Fish2438. Um, thank you. You helped make that experience what it ended up being. So this is the recorded version of that. So I don't want it to seem like we're coming off initially as like all happy and fun and excited. And then it gets much more serious in context. It just kind of happened that way. So just a little pre-recorded message to let you know. Uh, I wasn't trying to hurt anybody's feelings either. Um, I also mentioned my parents and I didn't say how much they had done for me. I mentioned maybe the mental health aspect we were having some shortcomings with, but they did so much for me. I mean, credit card debt, bought me cars. They did everything. They allowed, they didn't just cut me off. I said in the show that things got exhaustive, and I just wanted to be clear that my parents uh, tried to do the best that they knew how and were definitely willing to try to, to help me. So that's pretty much it. I just want to let you guys know uh, this ends up being about, you know, serious addiction issues and i'm happy to share my story anytime if you happen to hear this and you want assistance or help in any way if i can be of service uh you can email the show firstdaypod at protonmail.com or you can dm us on twitter or instagram or you can hit me up on my own personal twitter at mj govier g-o-v as in victor i-e-r uh, hopefully you find this useful and informative and thank you so much for listening now here's the show Today, Leanne and Michael talk about addiction that comes in many forms, and sometimes we're not even aware of our addiction, but the most painful addictions are the ones that everybody's aware of, but may feel like they can do no more to help the person who's suffering. If you know anybody who is suffering, or you yourself are struggling with substance use disorder, email the show, firstdaypod at protonmail.com. We'll be glad to listen to you and try to offer our assistance in any way we can. Hi, you are now listening to the First Day Pod. It's a fun podcast. It's actually not always fun. Sometimes we get real and we talk turkey. And on today's show... We're going to talk about all kinds of stuff related to addiction mm-hmm. and its mysteries. You know, you may think that addiction is for strung out heroin users. That is not the case, my friends. And we're here to hopefully enlighten and maybe make you aware of some of your own personal addictive tendencies. But it's not just me. It's my dearly beloved Leanne. Hello. Joining me on the first day pod. Hi, Leanne. Hi. How are you? Good. What's going on with you? Oh, nothing. <laughs> nothing. No, nothing. I'm that's just staring at a wall. What's that? That's it. That's the show. We're done. Yeah, that's it. Bye, guys. Okay. See ya. <laughs> Bye. Uh, oh, great. There we go. Um, yeah. um, yes, we are here to talk about addiction. We wanted to focus on it because Leanne's had some revelations this week. Well, last week, I would say, mm-hmm. and uh, we're going to talk about those. But we also want to remind you that we've been doing the First Day Pod Book Club every Monday night, 8 p.m. Eastern time. And we just had another lovely event last night where we had a discussion about our continuing analysis of 
A New Earth by Eckhart Tolle. So we're on chapter eight for next week. Mm -hmm. And you can still join us. You can catch up. Or if you just want to dive in and kind of listen and learn, you're welcome to do that. We'll send you the link if you contact us. DM us, email us, firstaypod.protonmail.com, or DM us on any of the social medias that you can find the show on, like Twitter and Instagram. Right, Leanne? Yes. Yay! <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, okay. So, uh, I thought yesterday's was the chapter was focusing on breaking free, or was that the last chapter? No, that was the last chapter. This one was finding your truth, uh, finding who you truly are. Right. Yeah. So it was about staying present in the moment, no matter what the. It's about being friends and becoming friendly with all moments, regardless. Mm -hmm. what's in front of you no matter how reactionary you want to be with your ego driven identifications yeah can i love you that be in the moment can you be present can i can i do it can you do it leanne mm, i have a hard time like hey when you think about it you think it's so simple you think it's like well yeah of course like i'll just snap myself out of it and but it's it's a constant choice like every moment you have to make a new choice. It's a new commitment that you're making. So I actually heard, I was listening to, um, uh, what was I listening to? Like a webinar and webinar um, summit. Anyway, and um, Lisa Bilyeu, you know, from um, Impact Theory, she was talking about um, how she has come to um, – when her ego like comes up and starts telling her that she's not good enough because mm -hmm. she's always struggled with that instead of her, um, you know, listening to it and being like, Oh my gosh. Yeah. Why am I doing what I'm doing? She said exactly like what this book is saying is she becomes friends with it and friends in the moment. And she'll literally, when she hears it say, well, thank you friend. What exactly is it that I'm not good at yet? And then she'll like, listen, because if she hears it, instead of saying, oh, I'm not good at social media or I'm not good at whatever, she listens to it and says, oh, I need to get more skills in social media or whatever. And then she just builds on that instead of looking at it like, oh, I'm a failure. I'm not good enough. Da, da, da. I thought that was really interesting. Dang. It was right, right in that with being friends with it and being kind is kind of what it's all about. It's not easy to be friends with a moment where you feel like you want to lash out or you feel like you're being crucified or, you know, uh, objectionable materials being thrown at you and you want to speak your mind. That's the most difficult time. And that's when I have the hardest time. And I'm I'm practicing. I'm learning. I'm trying, you know, mm -hmm. and I'm going to keep doing it. Damn it. That's yeah. what I'm going to do here. I had a, I mentioned this in the book club yesterday, but I had an episode on Saturday at the local Meyer in Westland, Michigan. Beautiful Westland, Michigan. Meyer is a staple in my life. I love Meyer very much. It always has been. I can remember the first time I went to a Meyer way back in like 1992. Wow. And I bought a, a Whitman sampler. You know, the chocolates, Leanne? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. A Whitman sampler. It's a cheaper version of varietal chocolates and candy. And I bought it for uh, a girl for her birthday. <gasps> How dare and you? I bought her. I bought that and uh, her birthstone ring. I really went all out. I was only wow. <laughs> I think I was barely twelve years old, eleven or twelve years old. <laughs> so obviously, I'm a very romantic guy from a young age. Hmm. Um, she loved it, but it didn't work. You know, she didn't love me. So I'm sorry. <laughs> I didn't get the love that I wanted back from her. But anyways, that was my first buyer experience. Now we fast forward to 2020. This past Saturday, lovely day. The weather was nice. I Strolled into Meyer to grab a couple of few odds and ends. Nothing major. And um, I'll tell you, I walked out of the store. I don't use bags. No plastic bags. I could use reusable bags. That's true. Leanne pointed that out yesterday. But I'd, I like <laughs> to carry the stuff. I like to carry it and make it more difficult. It's a good workout. It's a little extra workout you can throw in because it's a long walk in the parking lot. It still weighs the same amount. If you have a reusable bag, you carry it on its own. Just FYI. A certain way, you're activating other muscles. Oh, then yeah. hold the okay. Anyway, continue. you gotta stabilize it using your abdomen more, using your core. Is that what that is? That's why you do it. Yeah. That? Well, okay. I didn't think of it at the time, but that is true. <laughs> okay, good. 
Continue. So anyways, I'm walking to the car. I got my headphones on. I always wear my headphones when you go to Meyer. I love walking around Meyer, listening to my favorite podcast. It's just so... First day pod? Of course, yeah. I love listening. I'm, I'm an egomaniac <laughs> listening to our own podcast. No. <laughs> Uh, it's a great podcast. If I wasn't a part of it, I would listen to it all the time, but I don't want to be like that. However, uh, I love walking around Meyer listening to my favorite pods. It's so comforting. Yeah. It's just so relaxing. I got my headphones on. I'm walking around looking at stuff. And I don't know why it's so comforting, but uh, it's like become my routine during COVID. I just mm. love it. It's all I do. It's the only thing I get to do. And mm. um, so I bought my stuff and I walked out. No bag, headphones on, walking to the car. I keep hearing this voice behind me. It sounds like a kid's voice. It's higher pitched. I thought some kid yelling at like or some family members being silly. And I didn't want to I didn't want to turn and look because it's not my business. But as soon as I got to the car, I turned to open the door, put my stuff in it, and then there was this woman right in my face, a Meyer employee, saying, Hey, where's your receipt? Mm-mm. Where's your bag? I'm like, I don't use bags, okay? Less plastic bags on earth, the better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and she's like, well, where's your receipt? How could you not get your receipt? She was, she couldn't believe that you couldn't or I wouldn't take my receipt. It was like the most ridiculous thing on earth to her. It, it was like so bizarre. That she was obsessed with, How could you leave your receipt there? Everybody takes their receipt. Mm. <laughs> it was crazy. I thought, it's funny. She's so into it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh man uh, so anyways we start I start saying I don't use receipts we argue about it and she's like I'm going to call the cops right now and I'm like what and oh she tried to like go in and get my goods out of, from my car she was way too close to me for COVID as well I'm like whoa lady you need to back off I said it like this you need to step back right now oh, I'll try to be very stern and uh she is like, well, I'll call the police right now then. And I'm like, all right, oh great. Call the cops. Let's do it. And then I was like, oh, wait, I don't want to do the whole thing, even though I'm right. I don't want to have the cops call. I'll be here for hours. Who knows? And this is all for how much? How much did you spend? At $30 worth Jeez. of $30. Okay. Um, so I'm like, all right, fine. I'll go in and get the receipt and I'll prove it to you. And this whole time I'm screaming and shouting, like, you know. This, I can't believe this. You, you know, this is the most important thing to you on earth right now. I'm like yelling in the parking lot as I'm storming back towards Meyer. It was a long walk. It was pretty busy and I was parked pretty far back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'm like just going off, swearing and saying, look, this is ridiculous. And I can't believe you care this much about this. And you're so wrong. And I come here all the time. And I no. do the same, you know, all these things. Wow. And as I got to the door, this woman was like trying to console me. She's like, now respect your elders, you know, be nice. And that like, helped, I'm sure. What's that? I said that helped, I'm sure. <laughs> it did. I was like, I initially responded like, she's being mean. She's being in the wrong here. And she's like, well, still, you just respect your elders. And I'm like, I don't care about elders. Elders can be wrong all the time. So I don't roll like that. However, uh, it kind of did like give me a reality check. Brought me out of my trance that I was in. Good. And, uh, okay. <laughs> um, I'm sorry. Eventually just stopped talking. Walked to that self-checkout where my receipt was hopefully still there because, you know, they just keep printing them out. So it probably was just laying there. Mm-hmm. And sure enough, it was. So I had to be, excuse me, miss. I need to grab this receipt. I grabbed the receipt. I turned and she was coming into the store finally because she's a very slow walker, out of shape, you know, and she, She's not that old where she she could be in better shape. That's her fault. So I'm sorry. I was very focused. If she was so committed to this, she should have hauled ass back to catch up with me. Oh, my gosh. No, I'm just kidding. That part's not, no. that part's not necessary. Anyways, I just shoved the receipt in her face, didn't say a word. And she's like, well, see, if you would have had the receipt in the first place, this never would have happened. And I just walked out. And, that was it. and I was very heightened with, like, mm-hmm. anxiety and, you know, just my nerves and my endorphins and like the intensity of the moment had me all jacked up. And anytime you have an exchange like that and it gets your blood boiling, you know, that feeling, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, I had that. I definitely had that. And, um, it was what over. do you think would have happened if we were together? Do you think well, it would have been off, the same way? If we had been together? No, it would. Well, 
You well, we would have had reusable all. bags, first of all. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, you could no, have been there trying to be like, um, you know, hey, Mike, you know, it's okay. Let's just go get the receipt. You probably would have grabbed the receipt anyway, so it never would have happened. <laughs> it just wouldn't have happened if you were there, probably. I just know it. Because first mm -hmm. off, it would have been you and I, and she would not have assumed it was both of us stealing. Because you just mm -hmm. have, you have an energy and a presence, and you're, everybody loves you, so... It just wouldn't have been the same. I had yeah, my hoodie on. Right. I had my headphones on. Right. I have a big old beard. I'm not talking to anybody, and I'm walking out with goods. No bag, no receipt. Right. So anyways, <laughs> this is the point of the story. Okay. Is that it relates to our book about being friendly with the moment. I allowed what Eckhart Tolle, call, you know, he calls the pain body. It's an identifier to give this emotional pain that we all carry throughout our lives, it builds and builds and builds and we bring it into situations. And that happened in this case. And she also brought hers into mine mm -hmm. as we discussed in the book club last night. It was two pain bodies going head to head, two mm -hmm. negative energies immediately like just feeding off of each other. And if I could have just sat there and said, or just listened, just kept listening and, and thought, oh, well, the receipts in the store, I'll mm -hmm. just go in and get it. And then this will be over. Mm -hmm. Instead, I let my emotional, my negative emotional pain take over. Mm -hmm. I was couldn't believe that someone thought I had done them wrong. I come here all the time. How dare you know? I took mm -hmm. personal offense to it. And I also said this, though. I said that, you know, with the pandemic going on, who gives a shit about $30 with the groceries or just right. items? People are broke i haven't had unemployment in forever i'm mm -hmm. one of those people mm -hmm. so you know why are you dying living and dying with companies and corporations that pay i mean i'm sure she made jack squat so mm -hmm. living and dying with these corporations that pay you nothing and you're like the the guardian for them i've just never understood that concept ever and i know what you said to me the other day go ahead and say it well it's her job that's how she's supporting her family or so <laughs> Trust me, well, this woman has no family. She's a loner. Oh my gosh, where is all this coming from? Person. She's one of these cat ladies. You know, she's got a million cats. She's oh alone. That's why she's so bitter and hates everyone. Seriously. No. Okay, Maybe. I don't know that for sure, but no. I will tell you this: I don't give a rat's ass oh, about what her job is because there's a bigger, there's a bigger collective understanding at hand, and there needs to be. In my opinion, of course, it's just my opinion, so it doesn't mean it's law. Mm -hmm. it needs to be a reformation. Yeah. Standing up for companies and corporations while people are just get pooped on constantly while these people rake in the dough and you're serving this purpose for them. Like they're going to go out of business if a guy walks out of the building with $30 worth of goods. I mean, get the hell out of here. It's so silly. So anyways, just want to share that experience. Um, that was fun. It was, it, but I was really, I was impressed that you brought it up at the book club because it did bring up a lot of like a uh, discussion about the book. It did. Yeah. It, it's definitely, I'm, you know, I'm glad it happened because it gave me a chance to kind of analyze what we're doing yeah. and to look at myself. And, and seeing how much you've grown from it, because that was a good question. Janice asked if you, if you would have thought about it the way that you thought about it after 10 years ago. And yeah. for sure you wouldn't have. Well, you keep saying that over and over again, which I kind I'm of... I'm not over and over. I said it once in book club. I'm saying it once now. Well, you, you said it twice in book club. Oh, my gosh. I'm sorry. Did I offend you? No. I mean, you're just making a very... You're making it very clear. Because it is very... It. Okay, do you feel like you would have handled it? Like, not handled it. Would you have reflected at all on it being your pain body or being... Yeah. You would have? I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I mean, it's possible. I wasn't just some automaton doofus walking around 10 years ago. I still have. No, I dated you 10 awareness. years ago. Of course you weren't. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever didn't work between you and I and the person I was 10 years ago, nine years ago, hmm. um, I still had an awareness about certain things. So I don't know. I probably would. I mean, I reacted the same way yesterday or on Saturday that I probably would have reacted 10 years ago. I don't think that changed. So, but I, the post-awareness I would always have because I've always been incredibly 
even then, incredibly like, oh, my God, what I overanalyzing all my moves and my moments and what I've just done, my thoughts, my actions. I've definitely always I've always been like that in most of my adult life. So that part, I don't think has changed. I feel like so I could be wrong because maybe I just didn't know who you were 10 years ago. But I feel well, like I didn't express it properly. to you. Right. Exactly. So I feel like part of if there was reflection on it, it would have been like criticizing yourself instead of looking for like a um like a a learning like a like a lesson in it hmm. you know yeah, what i mean yeah. like this was more of a no no i just feel like it was more of a like a teaching moment for you where yeah. before it would have been it would have happened you would have you know been telling people about this like lady <laughs> and then like if you were reflecting on it on your own it would have been I made a scene. Why did I do that? I'm all, da, 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 da. like, you know what I mean? Like more like that instead of looking for the like lesson in it and whatever. So that's just that's what I meant. But anyway, okay. I don't oh, know. I, I, Interesting. Explain that. I, you know, I want to sit I'll sit on this uh, all day. This is only part of the show. So yeah, something for me to continue to think about my actions. And if you're out there and you find yourself in a moment like that, we would love to hear about it. How did you handle it? Do you think you could be friendly with that moment, being accused of something you didn't do? And then having someone be really aggressive about trying to stop you when you know that you've done everything right. Would you be reactionary and would you unleash all of this emotion that's pent up inside of you? Or could you just calmly be friendly in that situation and say, hey, you know what? I understand that there's a miscommunication here and I'm happy to help solve that. <laughs> Can you do that? Let us know. First day pod, protonmail.com. Send us an email or DM us uh, Instagram or Twitter. Okay. So, Leanne, we want to talk about other things. We want to talk about addiction on the show today, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So, you want to talk first or you want me to go? No, you can go first. You sure? Yeah. Okay, fine. Well, uh, Sunday was three years uh, sober, uh, free of opioid dependence for me. So, that was a big day. Three That's years. Huge. So, okay, yeah. So, now... <laughs> so, I guess I could have brought that up. I thought you were going to have, like, a lead-in about addiction and, and whatever. But... With that, I really wanted to, um, like, I wanted to make a post about it on social media. I was so proud of you. I think that that's a huge accomplishment. Mm -hmm. But then when I, like, like I told you, oh, congratulations, three years, da, 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 and you're like, it's just yeah. another day in the books, and it's one day at a time, and da, 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 da. So then it immediately made me feel like, okay, well, maybe I shouldn't be making, like, a big deal about this on social media maybe i shouldn't be making a big deal about it because it is just like a one day every day and so whatever so like yeah. where was i was that where should i be in that you could be wherever you want to be there's no rules there's no limitations i was just responding trying to keep it real and like oh you know i was trying to downplay it. but it's a big deal even people on twitter when i posted about it i made a post oh i didn't even see that yeah, people, a lot of people responded. It was really, really kind of them. Tons of people in the fantasy baseball world and just other people that are on there. They said, congratulations, you know, that's something to be really proud of. You should celebrate, yada, yada, yada. So there's no reason to, like, minimize. You You got to follow your instincts and just trust yourself. Don't My worry about me. are always over the top celebrating everything. I yeah, Let's do that. That's why I love you. That's why we're together. It's one of the things I admire about you. You're, you got to be you. Don't be limited by what I say or make assumptions. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm gonna be pissed if you like make a post about it. I mean, how dare you? Well, you are free to use me in any way you want to use me. <laughs> okay. I'm serious. <laughs> any, in any online venue, whatever. My life is your life to use freely. Okay. So we have that clear. Okay, great. But a part of me was like, yeah, okay, you know, nice job. Okay, but, you know, I don't know. I I didn't feel like. <laughs> you do that with everything. This is, yeah, Matt Williams checking. You're free. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Matt. Hi, yeah. Matt. <laughs> You're, Matt is rephrasing what I just said. You are free to use me in any way you want to. That's. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Thanks, Matt. <laughs> He wants to know, what have I just started to listen to, Mike? Uh, I don't know. It <laughs> right. came in right at the right time. Yeah, that, uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Gone a couple different ways. That's true. That's <laughs> it's true. a great way um, to come in. 
I should start doing the show notes and tell everybody that the show notes, that the show actually just starts at like 20 minutes or 19 and a half minutes. <laughs> yeah. Hey, so use me any way you want to dot com. No, um, I, I just didn't, I don't want to make a huge deal about it, but I want people to know that it's a, I wanted if somebody else read it or somebody else heard about it, it could help them. I know other people mm-hmm. who got clean or were staying free of whatever their addictish substance of choice was that uh, they shared it and they shared it freely. And I didn't always take that as an opportunity for myself to get straight at the time mm-hmm. when I heard it. I heard a lot of messages and they just went in here one out and out the other. So I don't know how much of an impact it really has. You know, I know the impact it has on my life. I know that my mm-hmm. personal life. You know what else it has an impact on? Um, when we were going through it in the, like in the beginning parts of it, I looked to that for social media and for like researching it to see people that were getting out on the other side. I read so many stories and so many um, because I needed to know that you were going to be able to do it. I knew you were capable. I didn't know it was so new to me that I didn't know if it was I knew you were strong enough inside to do it but I didn't know if because it's such a hard thing if it was actually possible if that makes any sense like is it something that just people always kind of fall back into and so I searched out stories like this of three years five years 15 years 20 years and that's what I held on to the whole time I was like okay if one person can do it Mike can do it. Well, it's not about that, though. What do you mean it's not I, about that? It's not about me or anything to do with me. It, I would, it would not be possible without the medicine. It's that simple. I am a product of the medicine. The medicine tames the brain. Mm-hmm. I take Suboxone. That's the medicine I take. Suboxone mm-hmm. is the opioid uh, what, ag- antagonist. I can't. I mean, I'm not a scientist for crying out loud. Mm-hmm. I don't know the exact wording of it, but it's. Uh, medication you take. It's opioid maintenance. There's methadone. I'm sure everyone's heard of methadone, which mm-hmm. is a stronger, uh, more abused. It can be abused because it can give you a high and it's a syrup usually that you take at a clinic, which I did take methadone. when I, The day I got October 25th, 2017, the mm-hmm. day I stopped using, I started on methadone for the first time in my life, but I got off of it after about a uh, 15 months because I was concerned about my behavior with it. I didn't like, I'm like, I'm like, I always looked forward to it so much. And it was, it, it helped me, uh, you know, get straight and uh, w- think about things and start to do some reflection and uh, work and be uh, what they call a functioning human being. <laughs> so <laughs> it helped me do that. But uh, I didn't like uh, some of the tendencies it gave me. So I got off of it and switched to Suboxone, which is much more tame. Suboxone also has, naloxone in it naloxone is the drug that uh when people are having overdoses it's also called the uh, narcan that's another name for it but the drug the the medicine itself is called naloxone and it goes into you and it could stop you could be dying from a massive overdose and it can stop it it can just bring you right back it's amazing so suboxone has two milligrams i take a i take a four milligram sub- slash two milligram naloxone dose that's what each suboxone film is you put a film under your tongue and it dissolves in five, 10 minutes, and uh, that's it. So it has that blocker, so you can't get high. If I wanted to use even, which I don't, I don't have a craving to use because mm-hmm. it also just stops the cravings. So it's really the medicine, you know, and there's nothing that's good. That's a good thing. That's a great thing, but it's also like you need to stop downplaying it because it's also your decision to take that medicine and your decision to take it every single day and to be dedicated to it. Yeah. Uh, Fish2483 says, interesting stuff that I know nothing about. (laughs) Yeah. um, Thanks, Fish. I don't know. Uh, I'm just sharing what I've what I've done and uh, what works for me. Mm -hmm. Doesn't mean it works for everybody. And it but it probably does because it's opioid specific. If you have an issue with another substance, it's not going to help you. Like if you're cocaine, crack or chocolate. Uh, you know, it's not going to help you with chocolate at all so, oh, man. or sugar, sugar more specifically, mm-hmm. but it worked for me. how do you and find out about it? Suboxone? Mm-hmm. Uh, it just becomes part of the lore 
when you're working the streets and using everybody, you know what the, you hear about Suboxone and it also is called Subutex. These are just a couple brand names uh, for what it is. And you hear about it and then you try to get better. And so you go to, to doctors, to clinics to find out about it. And uh, then you know what it is. And the first time I ever took it was in, let's see, I started using in like 2011, 12. That's when things first started for me. And I finally took Suboxone in 2016. It took a long time to get there because I thought it was, I had heard things that it was a cop out that uh, what you're doing with it. And if you're using it, you're cheating because the 12 step programs tell you, hey, you got to be clean from everything. Mm-hmm. And that is a bad, 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 bad message to send. Mm-hmm. It literally kills people. Mm-hmm. Wow. Methadone and, and Suboxone are medicines that can get you level so you can work and function and talk to people. And then you start to be able to reflect on your own experiences that you just went through. Mm-hmm. You know, the message is, is this, it, the original message was like, Hey, let's be clean. Let's get clean. The intent of that decades ago, going back to when AA was first started in the thirties, mm-hmm. you know, hundred years ago. Wow. Yeah. It's a good message. You know, Hey, let's get clean. Okay, good. That's a start from not having any option at all. Mm -hmm. But then you have the development of these medicines. So that's a step above just trying to get clean from everything, which as they say in these meetings, Leanne, they say, Hey, you're white knuckling it. Hey, ever who's white knuckling it right now? Because that's what you're doing. If you, if you just quit everything, go cold Turkey, you go through withdrawal, Going through withdrawal is hard enough because it's awful. Withdrawal is one of those worst experiences you will ever have in your life. It's like having the flu times a thousand. It's like having the worst sickness you could ever have times many, 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 many factors. It's awful. You can't do anything. You can't even think. You're just in misery. It's the worst. That's why people try to prevent from getting dope sick. They don't want to get dope sick. It's so awful. So they'll do anything to prevent it, which includes stealing, manipulation, and all these things that people do. They're not doing it because they're bad people who want to screw people over. They're just so desperate to avoid the pain of the dope sickness, the withdrawal. That's what it is. How quick so does that you, come on? How does it come on? No, how quick does it come on? Uh, it's usually 24 hours. It'll, you know, it could be 12 hours, depending on your level of use. It could be anywhere from 12 to 24 hours. Wow. So for the moment, you're if you're using at a certain level, like heroin, if you're shooting, injecting heroin, you're you're making it so quick to go into your body. And so the the um, it increases the tolerance level more quickly and the desperation massively, massively. Wow. Jacks up. Because it'll only, it won't even get you high necessarily. It'll just get you level. Okay, I, I'm level. I'm not even high anymore. And it does get to that point. I mean, I, I've told you, I, I, I never, I used heroin one time, one weekend. I was so desperate. And the guy I used to deal with, all he had was uh, heroin packets. I, and I snorted it. No, I didn't inject it. Um, but I was desperate not to get sick. So I snorted it all weekend. That was the only time I ever used heroin. But, my main thing was Vicodin and Oxy's mostly Vicodin. That was my thing. Hydrocodone, the pills. And they have acetaminophen in them. And acetaminophen is bad for your liver in large doses. In fact, the FDA says 4,000 milligrams is lethal. And your standard Tylenol has like 325 milligrams, maybe 500. Mm-hmm. So that if you take a Tylenol, that's fine. But if you take 25 hydrocodone pills at once that's 325 milligrams per pill that's 7500 roughly milligrams and the lethal dose is 4000 which may be on the safe side because they want to protect people but i i took 25 vicodin at once i just swallowed them whole with a drink of water yeah many times yeah and i lived my liver's okay. I'm very lucky. I'm fortunate. My kidneys and livers are fine, but yeah, I really jeopardized myself. So I'm, so I'm talking about the tolerance goes up so much and that desperation grows and you keep trying just to meet. And I would take that much. And sometimes I'd barely feel, you know, much, which is crazy. Yeah. That's that's why I was, (laughs) 
I got what do they call it? Um, the fifty-one fifty in some states. You get I got involuntarily locked up into a psychiatric institution because I took twenty-five one day and I thought I had overdosed. I thought something was wrong or maybe I screwed up my liver. I felt weird, so I went to a hospital. And I told them the truth. Worst thing I could have done was told them the truth because mm -hmm. they thought I tried to kill myself. They couldn't. The addiction. This is 2017. Oh, okay. Wow. It's a couple of years ago. And they thought I was trying to kill myself. The misunderstanding of addiction medicine was so great in a real big hospital that they, they just assumed I was trying to kill myself. They didn't understand what tolerance was. It was wow. so disappointing. Yeah. So they made me stay. I, if I tried to run, the cops would have, you know like chased me down to the door and pinned me and handcuffed me. I was stuck at that hospital and I went into withdrawal and uh, that sucked. And then they sent me on a, my only ambulance ride of my life to uh, a psychiatric hospital in Chelsea. <laughs> it was, it was crazy. They, uh, I'd never been in an ambulance before and it, I was, I was feeling better by then. I'd been at the hospital for a couple of days, you know, with hydrocodone, the withdrawal period is about three days. Hmm. Uh, roughly three to four days. By the fourth day, you start to feel better and you, you start to get this feeling like, oh my God, I feel so much better. This is amazing. Everything's going to be great again. But then your brain's still addicted. Mm -hmm. And then a couple of days go by, you have good intentions, but then you still your brain's like, oh man, we love that stuff still, even though you're feeling better. And then uh, you use again. I used again. And you know that process would repeat itself many times, many, many times. So wow. um, yeah, you know, there. <laughs> I guess I'm just going off on a rant here, but uh, this is this is fascinating. Is it? I I don't know. It is to me. Good. It is to me because it's it's the truth. Yeah, and you know what? Like I knew I knew pieces of it, but it's like we never really talked about like it in its entirety. I guess like this, we just kind of like would go through certain things, and I'm really of the which is not a good thing. But I'm just like always like, okay, light at the end of the tunnel. So you said that you are now using this and it's helping. So then that's like what I remember. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like I don't remember all the rest of it. Yeah. It's fascinating how much you've been through and like how okay you are right now. Do you have local friends to help you get through this? People you think? Uh, that's a good question, Matt. Yeah. Matt asked, uh, do you have local friends to help you get through this? People you can depend on. Um Hmm. Well, now, I mean, you know, I'm very open about it. So, and I was kind of always open about it. I watched, I watched my brother. Um, well, maybe I shouldn't say this It's not his business, but I will say, you know, I'm not going to mention his name or anything, but I have a brother who uh, went through a long time addiction. I watched that happen to him and I was there. I go to rehabs and visit him. And I, I was like trying to corral people to, corral the family to help him i i i like facilitated all of that and then i started using myself <laughs> after the fact when i was you know, like 31 32 you hadn't so, used before that not that's i mean i i'd had a prescription once when i was hurt my back when i was 26 but i used it properly i never abused it mm. so I, I i'm sure i had a vicodin prescription maybe once or twice in my life and there was no issue with it mm -hmm. but for some reason now I was finding it to be very coding. So, so yeah, okay. So my point being is that um, everybody knows about me. So I wanted to be very honest about my situation. I didn't want to hide it, but I wanted to be very honest about it from mm -hmm. the get-go. So I remember I called my father and my mother in 2015. Like uh, I was teaching then and the school year was wrapping up. I called them on the phone and I told them exactly what was going on in my life. I was just completely honest about it. I called them. Oh. Uh, unfortunately... You know, my parents aren't always the most helpful people with comes to like mental health and things like that. You know, I mean, they have good intentions, but they're flawed. You know, they're we're all flawed human beings. Right. So so I turned to meetings. I turned to meetings. I turned to friends. I have a lot of friends that I've known for 20 plus years back in the day that I still know. And they all know about it. And they try to do their best to try to like help me. And at this time and place now, um, I still have friends that are supportive on Sunday. You know, everybody was I went over to see uh, a couple friends outside at a bonfire, a daytime bonfire. It was cold out and we stayed outside. I tried to be respectful of covid and they all were like, really, it just happened to be the day that I was, you know, celebrating three years. And they were all wanted me to like talk about it. And they were like really proud of me. And 
So those, so those people are helpful and they know about it. And one of them bought me a brand new pair of shoes to like, give me a congratulations for three years clean, which I used for the marathon I ran last week. And I needed a new pair of nice running shoes. And she did that because she was proud of me for staying clean and, you know, off opioids for three years. So yeah, um, I do have people I could depend on. I could depend on Leanne very much. I know that without a doubt. Um, I could depend on friends. So I'm very fortunate that I have people I know around me because I've been very honest about it. Now, I don't think, I don't think my case is typical and I'm not trying to make myself special here. I'm just trying to tell you that I, I really was like trying to stop this while I continued to do it. And it may sound really counterintuitive or like bullshit to you, but it's not. What do you mean? I, I told my parents, I tried to go to meetings. I purposely put myself in a rehab in 2015, like a week after I'd called them. I, I left after a couple of days, though, because I called my father and said, hey, this sucks. Uh, the place was overcrowded. It was overcrowded. There wasn't enough beds or chairs. That's true. And it was gross. And I was my first time in a rehab. And I was also being um, naive. I thought, oh, I'm in here a couple of days. I'm clean. I'm good. I'm going to get up. Mm -hmm. So I had my dad pick me up after four or five days. Um, and that was probably not a good idea, but at the same time, every rehab I ever went to, and that was three, they were all failures. I left and used every time because they're too short. They were like two weeks or 10 days. It's not enough time at all. You need months, you need three to six months mm -hmm. to get straight because your brain is biologically addicted. You're psychologically and biologically addicted to the chemical. So the people that run these rehabs, they don't, they're not aware of this. <laughs> no, I'm not being, I'm it's, I'm serious. Like, I don't understand why they would let people out. If they came in voluntarily saying, I want to get clean. Yeah. Why are they not helping you to understand that you need to stay for longer? Well, I went to the around here in Detroit area, famous uh, Brighton hospital. I think they changed the name. It used to be called Brighton Hospital. It's where Eminem went. Eminem mm. went there to get clean from uh, his own pill addiction. And when I went there, I had insurance, private insurance first. They don't they only take private insurance or straight up cash. And they put you on Suboxone right away. They do that in the program. And that was that was the first time I'd ever had Suboxone. And it was New Year's. I was like, I was bottoming out. It was, I was, I'd taken a leave from work. I had been off for like a month and a half. I was still technically a, a teacher at the school, but I hadn't been there in six weeks, seven weeks. And it was New Year's Eve. And I'm like, this is, I'm done. I'm, what do, I got to get clean. So I got into Brighton Hospital. They got me in. My brother took me in. He was very helpful with that. And uh, they put me on Suboxone. And I started going with withdrawal. So what you have to do is you have to go into withdrawal first. You can't just take the Suboxone. If you take the Suboxone before you go into withdrawal, you get something called precipitated withdrawals, and it's awful. It's it's like 10 times withdrawal feeling. It's oh, awful. Lord. It's more awful than withdrawal is. Yeah. So it's very important that you take the Suboxone or methadone once you're in withdrawal. So you have to wait to get sick, and then you take the medicine. And I'll tell you, it's a huge relief. It's like, oh, thank God. Maybe I actually believed in God for five minutes because I felt so much better. I was like, this is so great. Thank you. And it's a great relief. So you feel better. You feel so much better. You can eat. You can talk. You can feel good about yourself. And, and you uh, think only... it's in between the withdrawals? So like when you were saying that withdrawal might spent, take like three to four days, do you take no, the withdrawal take 12 to 24 hours? For you to get into it? Yeah. But then to get out of it? Like for you to start feeling better takes three or four days. So do you take the Suboxone? Well, it depends on the person. For me, the Suboxone made me feel immediately better. I had with I was into withdrawal. It'd been thirty six hours since my last use, mm -hmm. and uh, I took the medicine at that time, and then I instantly felt better. And mm -hmm. I took it every day. They only give it. They give it to me for two or three days, but it's recommended that you stay on it for like a couple of years <laughs> if you really want it to work. Mm -hmm. So. Uh, Sierra says there's a documentary on MTV of this school created by this the woman who helps teens in Boston. And uh, Sierra is shocked to learn that teenagers are struggling. Mm. Uh, yeah. I, 
I haven't seen that documentary, um, but I'm sure this, this is why I wanted to be a mental health counselor because I know that there, you know, my story is just one of millions of stories. Mm -hmm. Right now, somebody is in absolute agony. Someone is being uh, caught in the system or they don't have the means. They only have support, like Matt was saying. Do you have people to support you? I was very fortunate. I have a lot of people that wanted to support and help me. I did. Mm -hmm. People believed in me. They'd seen me live. And I don't know. They guess they trusted that there was a better day for me down the road. Did that help you while you were trying to get better? um, Do you think? Sometimes you feel really guilty. (laughs) A lot of guilt and shame, Mm -hmm. which doesn't help you, but it's part of the process. Um, Sierra says it's called 16 and Recovering, by the way. The documentary is called Mm -hmm. 16 and Recovering, if you want to watch that. Uh, Some of the teachers are recovering, too. Oh, interesting. Okay. Fascinating. I'll, I'll check that out. I'm always... You know, what's weird about this stuff is uh, I'm like obsessed with it. Like I can't get enough information about it. I'll watch documentaries. I'll, I want to read stories about it. I want to hear other people's story about it. it. It's, it really does. It's such a, it's like a life. And it really is one of those cheesy things. It's life changing experience, but it is, mm-hmm. it is. It's like, it just, it's such a, it had such an impact and it brought me so low and I felt so bad. And now to feel back to normal and, or whatever normal is, I feel, you know, I feel like myself and I am myself. And to be there is very great. It's gratifying. I feel very grateful and me too. I want And I hate the stigma. That's the thing. I, I don't want there to be a stigma and I know there always will be for some people. But that's why I try to be dead ass honest about everything. Mm-hmm. I'm not, not all of this is true. And I will tell you anything you want to know. I don't care if it's in public or in private. It doesn't have to be in public, but I'm happy to share it in public because I don't want, I don't want anybody to feel like they can't turn to someone, you know? And um, that's very important. I think that's important. I think we all think that's important to a certain extent, right? But, you know, Sierra says you're an inspiration and I love that you can talk about it. Thank you, Sierra. That's very nice of you. Um, you know, try, it's not about me. I just telling what I have experienced. So people know that. And hopefully when I, you know, COVID sucks right now because it makes it even worse for people. Right now, people aren't, can't get the access because people aren't there for people because we're trying to avoid each other. So that's even worse. And I feel terrible for people who are just stuck. They're not bad people. Some people are bad people. It's true. They're, people are addicted, are bad people, and good people. They're just like every other category of human being, you know? There's scumbags and romantics and incredible servants of others and uh, people who would try to connive you even if they weren't using, you know, they're all out there. And um, I think everyone's entitled to help, and you keep trying to help them. One of the things that are a misnomer for me, in my opinion, is the tough love thing. I think that's a mistake. And some of the data now is starting to support the inclusion. Bring people into the fold. Don't push them away. Because it takes more effort. It's easier to push away because you get exhausted. And I've seen seen my own family members do it, and friends even. Like, dude, I just can't hit. This guy's doing the same thing over and over again. When you relapse and relapse and relapse and relapse and relapse, people get pretty exhausted. And some would say, hey, who could blame them, right? But if you really want to stay in the fight or whatever you want to call it, if you want to stay in the game to help that person, to get them help and to make it a better day for them, then you got to stay and you have to connect with them. Even if they're going to let you down, it's not, they're not trying to let you down. It's just part of the process. Relapse is a part of the game. If you're going to relapse, or I mean, if you're going to use, you're going to relapse. That's a fact. (laughs) That's just a fact. And that's something that every person who becomes slowly addicted learns from themselves for the first time. And that lesson has been learned millions and millions and millions of times by first time users who get into it. And get, they just get caught up and they don't realize that re, they think relapse is a failure because 
again, 12-step programs say, hey, if you relapse, you know, you start from zero again. And that really could be deflating if you've got three months clean time, two years. Imagine being five years, 10 years free of your substance use, and then you relapse. That is probably the most painful because you did so good. What happened? But it never goes away necessarily. I, but I also think you don't have to label yourself as addicted, okay? That's another thing. We don't have to have these labels. You, you could have been addicted and then no longer be addicted to the substance. Okay, I was addicted, but I'm not an addict. That is wrong. Like calling yourself an addict for life, what they do in the 12-step programs, it's a mistake. And I'm, trying, I'm not trying to create disunity. I want us all to be united towards a cause. But we have to know what hurts people. If it has a negative context to it in any respect, we got to push that aside. We want to be as inclusive as possible. You know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've talked a lot. So <laughs> a lot of talking. It's amazing. Amazing. Well, what do you think, Leanne? You're a, just a regular Jane. Um, yeah. Um, you ever used heroin? Just once. No, I haven't had. I haven't used anything ever. Like weeds, my thing. That's all that I've ever. Well, it's not my thing, but it's, it's the only thing that I've ever done. That and alcohol. I've never done any other kind of drugs or anything. And so, I. Um, I was one of those people that was a tough love for you and um yeah but we had our you know we had a complicated history too that mm -hmm. we don't even have time to cover right now so don't no no yeah get that but you I mean people who are immediately connected to me who had to be responsible for me that's where tough love I don't think works but that's just my opinion doesn't mean I know everything mm -hmm. yeah it's um I think this episode is absolutely amazing and i think we need to soundbite a lot of the pieces that you said and they need to be out there like i think the whole just even the whole part oh shoot i took off that what's that pop filter thing shoot and i can feel it so sorry people if oh, it's, it's bad fine. audio no, um anyway uh like the whole piece about the methadone and how important it is and how important the medicines are to be able to get you past that point. I think everybody needs to know that. Um, I'm still on Suboxone today. I will take my dose today. Yeah. And, and I we're think working with my doctor slowly, maybe I'll get off of it because it's been, it'll be, maybe there'll be a time we talk about weaning down, but you know, we'll, so we'll get there. what, wait, so what is the purpose of getting off of it? Well, if you want to try, I mean, years later, you feel like you're you've conditioned yourself, changed your ways, your brain has been reformatted to not want to crave opioids. Then, uh, if you know, you can try that. But if you also find you get off of it and then you start getting cravings, then you got to get right back on it so you don't make that mistake. But you have to be honest and share and have a doctor that you can trust so you can be honest and communicate with them. And I am very, 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 very grateful to have a doctor I found. It took a long time, long ass time, because I remember going into the University of Michigan hospital in 2016, and I had a bad case of withdrawals because I tried to, I knew I had a last dose. I took it. I knew withdrawal was coming on and I had heard that marijuana could ease withdrawals. So I took a, I'd never done this in my life. I took an edible, hmm. an edible marijuana from a friend, and I thought it would help me. And uh, it turns out it didn't. It actually made the withdrawal worse. Uh, oh. And I was like convulsing. I wasn't having a seizure, but I was having like these massive like leg jumps and arm jumps, uh, like these convulsions in my legs and arms. You get restless leg syndrome. That's part of withdrawal, too. But it was a really bad case of it. So I went to the emergency room for like, hey, can I get some blood? Can I get anything here? I you got a whole you could save me. I don't want opioids, but you could give me like something like an anti-anxiety medicine. You could relax me. You could you could put something in me and really just allow me to sleep and then I'll get through the rest of this withdrawal. But no, I was totally denied. I said you did, you know, this guy said essentially you did it to yourself. They left me on a gurney in a hallway and everybody dismissed me and they said, "Well, there's nothing we can do for you, man." You know? 
That's what they literally said to me. I'm, wow. a, human, I'm a human being. That's horrendous. And I'm a human being. And that's what happened to me. And even the social worker that they send to talk to you, she's like, I'm so sorry. I feel so bad for you. And I know this isn't right. Uh, yeah, it was, you know, finding a competent doctor you can trust is one of the most difficult ventures in life, in my opinion, says Matt. And that is, dude, mm -hmm. that is true. Absolutely. <laughs> it is. Because there's so many arrogant doctors or uh, doctors that just play it by the book, you know, um, to find somebody you can like be yourself with completely and like like who you are and you can like have a conversation beyond like your medical stuff. Yeah, that's Rare. that is hard to find, Matt. I completely agree. And it took it took all my life really to find the person I found now. Um, I agree completely. Matt says, you know. The one you are actually comfortable with and trust and one you think is truly trying to help you. Yes, that kind of doctor is a lifelong journey for some that they never find. And I'm so grateful that I found mine right now. So I just lucked into it, really. Thank so, God. Um, when you've been treated poorly and, you know, it feels bad to have somebody who empathizes and that she's an addiction doctor. She's, she's a regular doctor, but she also specializes in addiction medicine. So she understands the game completely. And she knows what it, she basically has the mind of what it's like to be addicted to something without experiencing it personally. It's close to anybody that I've ever met. So, so thank you, doctor. You're the best person to ever thank treat you. me. And I mm -hmm. never want to lose you. I'm going to hang on to you or, She's leaving the practice that I'm at right now. So I'm like, I'm like, I gotta keep, I, I've got to follow you. You got to take me with you. I told her that last week when I saw her, I'm like, please take me with you. How do we, how do we make this happen? I'll pay cash. I don't care. You know, yeah. that goes to Matt's point. Yeah. You, you find someone, you follow them. As long as she's still an active doctor, I'll go, I'll do whatever I have to be done. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, you know, uh, well, I guess I ended up talking about, my <laughs> my anniversary and then now i just kind of told all kinds of stuff about it so it's amazing uh sierra says any tips on how to help people going through addiction either in our life or in the community all right well you the inclusion you piece is huge yeah if you first off if you are if you have a family member or a friend that is going through the addiction of whatever substance it may be right now, alcohol, alcohol is huge. Alcohol is a massive problem, but it's legal to us. And it's also much more easy to find, you know, it's just everywhere. Right. So I feel, I feel terrible for alcoholics. I'm so grateful that that's not my thing. I just, I don't know how that, it just lucked into that. I guess it didn't do it for me. Never did, but that's alcohol is massive. Okay. And I feel terrible for alcoholics. Um, but if you have someone who's an alcoholic or struggling with a substance use that you love and care about, contact them, connect with them, constantly try to connect with them, bring them into the fold. I know we're not seeing each other in person as much, but like you could text them and call them, voice chat with them, live chat, you know, there's a lot of things you can do. And uh, if they need things, give them to them, you know, People say, well, I don't want to give money. You know, I see a homeless person. I don't want to give them money because they're just going to spend it on alcohol or drugs. Yeah, so what? It's going to make them feel better for a little while. They could eat. I mean, because they're going to do it. You're going to be in hell either way. You're not going to. Very rarely are you going to corner people into a point by your tough love and denial of everything to them where they say, all right, well, my only option is to get clean. No, they're just going to keep going on alone most of the time. Most of the time. There are exceptions. I understand that. But most of the time, they're just going to keep on going. And they're going to be alone and isolated and feel more shame and guilt. And maybe they'll kill themselves even, you know, if they can't stand it anymore. Instead of get help because it becomes such a burden to try to ask the people that cut you off and shut you out to ask them for, could you please help me? I don't know who else to turn to. Please. That's a really hard thing to do when you feel low. Imagine yourself feeling low, 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 and you can't ask for help. So that's that would be my my thought. There's also nothing wrong. 12-step meetings, you know, they have their flaws, but they also have a lot of people that want to help. So you could go 
I don't know if they're doing live meetings right now or not. That's a great question. I just thought of that. I mean, with COVID going on, I don't know if uh, NA, Narcotics Anonymous or Alcoholics Anonymous, you don't have to be a, you don't have to be just an alcoholic to go to AA. Like there's plenty of people who do AA that are addicted to everything, you know? So that's a semantic point. You can go to AA or NA. You can also go to something called Smart Recovery. It's a acronym, S-M-A-R-T. And it's based on cognitive behavioral therapy as opposed to 12-step. If if you're more into like the science or like the therapeutic scientific data aspect of it, those are around, Smart Recovery. And um, yeah, those, those they're here to help you. But if there are no live meetings in person right now, there is something called the InTheRooms.com. And there are meetings that you can go to online, InTheRooms.com tons of meetings from people all over the world oh yeah so with covid going on i think in the rooms is probably more important than ever so i'd strongly recommend checking out in the rooms there's community meetings and worldwide people i assume i i tried it a couple times and with covid going on it's got to be the place that you can rely on more than what's going on locally and if you're also looking for maintenance help if you have an opioid issue specifically maintenance for Suboxone and Methadone. You can go to local clinics. Uh, there's a lot of free clinics where you can get you know, grants or you can, if you can get on Medicaid, if you have no job, you have no money, Medicaid, you can get on pretty easily and it'll cover everything. It did for me and I'm grateful for Medicaid. Thank you, Medicaid. Thank you for Obamacare for expanding Medicaid because without it, millions of people who are addicted would not have got access to treatment. I would, I'm one of them. So thank you. That was a good thing. Not to politicize things, but it was a positive. So, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, there's plenty of money for defense spending. It's nice that we can spend a little on health care. <laughs> so I don't, mm-hmm. Leanne doesn't have that issue though, because she's Canadian and she's comfortable in Canada. So, mm. Yeah, but if I was American, <laughs> I would definitely be voting next week. Just FYI, everybody. However oh, you want to vote. I course. just, yes. Let's leave it there. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. So you can go to local clinics. Uh, you can Google it. You can, wherever you live, just Google, hey, where's the uh, local Suboxone clinic or, uh, and not rehabs. I I mean, rehabs, I assume, are not doing well right now because of COVID, too. So I assume there's not a lot of people sharing beds in a rehab center. I don't even know. I honestly don't know. But I would, if you, you can go to, okay, there's a place in this area, again, in Ypsilanti slash Ann Arbor in the Michigan area. It's called Dawn Farms, and they do, like, three to six month recovery residential treatment. Now that is legit because you're going for a long period of time. If you're willing to dedicate that amount of time, that will be a benefit for you. But any rehab that's 10 days, a week, two weeks, even 21 days, it's not enough. And it's a ruse in my opinion. And I think it will not help you most likely. I think you're better off if you have an opioid issue, getting on a maintenance, uh, Medicine immediately. Suboxone. Oh, there's also another one. There's a third one called Vivitrol. It's a shot and it lasts for 30 days and you can't get high no matter what. So that's, but that's, and that's a more expensive thing. It's not always something that you can find at a clinic. So there's Vivitrol, Methadone and Suboxone slash Subutex slash whatever brand name it's called. So Don't you uh, think the, the drug name is called buprenorphine, by the way. That's what Suboxone, Subutex are. Buprenorphine. So. Don't you think it would be helpful if you went to a doctor that, I mean, again, that you lucked out that you would have that would understand what's going on and what to do. But if you went to them and was able to say, you know, that you're, you want to get clean and then going to that 10 day or 12 day, but knowing that as soon as you get out, you come back to the doctor and then you, you, you know what I mean? Work out a plan with them, but at least you have somewhere that you can go that, you know, is safe. That's going to like get you through the withdrawal and everything like they have its place. Yeah. Yeah. I can see that. And what happens with, do you know, so what happens with your, um, the, the, um, program that you're doing for the, the volunteering, if people come in, Oh, uh, hope not handcuffs. Mm-hmm. Where do they like, how does that work into all of this? Uh, that is basically the treatment you're getting like residential treatment or even the shelters, but I, I think it's all treatment. Hope not handcuffs is a program where people can walk into a police station and ask for treatment. Hey, I have an addiction. I need help. There's no charges. It's 
the total opposite of what you would expect if you walked into a police station saying that you were addicted to drugs. And uh, I haven't uh, done it yet. I signed up to do it, but I haven't. I got the T-shirt in the mail yeah, mm. yesterday. So, oh, nice. Uh, hopefully, uh, I'll get a call soon and someone who I think it's a good thing. Um, anything that's trying to help helps. So their goal is just to get people into treatment right away. And they sign them up. They get them through their insurance and yada, yada, yada. If they don't have insurance, they get a Medicaid. They're very organized. So awesome. there you go. Um, okay. Wow. Well, uh, we've been doing this for a good hour. I think we should leave it there. We don't like to let our episodes run too long. I hope, uh, I hope this wasn't overwhelming in terms of just my long story, but it's important. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, Hey, I don't regret any of it. I'm glad we got, I'm glad it, we went this route. I, mm -hmm. I hope that, uh, if you hear this or, you know, thanks for watching live, Matt, Sierra, uh, fish, uh, Mr. <laughs> Uh, fish two four eight three and uh, thanks for watching live on the live stream thank you for sharing of course yeah thank you for listening to the podcast if you're hearing this now you made it this far it's the end of the episode uh this is the first day pod and we will be back next week talking about stuff that matters hopefully um you know sometimes you know we're we're pretty lighthearted on the show. We crack jokes. We have a good time. We talk about stuff, but we're always trying to be honest about stuff. So we're not here to just lightheartedly entertain you. That's not our, we're, we're here to grow, learn, expand our knowledge base and understanding, get, gain wisdom, uh, learn from you guys. Like we always say, and you got, we learn from you. Hope maybe you learn from us. That's the exchange that's going on here. So thank you. To everyone who listened, first day pod, protonmail.com. Send us a question. If you have any questions about anything you heard today, first day pod at protonmail.com or DM us, first day pod on Twitter and Instagram. If you need help uh, and you have questions, I'm very, very grateful and motivated to give you any information I can that will be of assistance to anybody who's a, a loved one or, you know, who's a family member of someone who is struggling or the person themselves who is feeling alone and afraid and isolated. I'm here to help. We're all here to help you. We want to help. So we want to get you the help you need. So I think that's a good message to leave it on. Leanne, what do you think? I think that's amazing. We love you all. And um, thanks for listening. Mike, thank you for sharing. This was incredible. Okay, well, okay. we'll catch you guys next week. First Day Pod, thank you so much for your time, and uh, have a good week. Bye.